this person is a part of you that you can't stand that is on the same vibration as this person like a little part of you and then of course you're like I'm not like this person I'm nice and they're like well you've done some similar things in the past and I was like what in other past lives and they were like no 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 in this lifetime and I was like oh no so then it's like you have to forgive yourself for the things you've done that are the same you are listening to made of human also known as the Mopad a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen who is a Danish comedian trying to find out how to do life but it turns out nobody knows today's guest is Lou Sanders and I'm very excited about this I I love Lou she's sort of um I think you, you'll be able to tell why. I don't know. I mean, depending on whether or not you know Lou, Lou's, just, Lou's a, a stand-up comedian. Very, very funny. She has this very cute podcast called uh, Cuddle, The Cuddle Club, Lou Sanders Cuddle Club, which uh, she asked me to do. So I did that. And then I was like, hey, while we're already talking, you should do Made of Human, which I should have. I mean, she should have done it ages ago. Uh, I think I just reached a point where I got a bit... I don't know. Like, you know what? She's just one of the cool kids. And I... I always feel weird around the cool kids and I think and she come she talks about this as well on the podcast she's a very um she's a person who's very um susceptible I don't know if that's the right word but to energies like she will take on people's energies and I know that I often give a lot of energy and I give a lot of not negative energy but a lot of darkness um so and I've heard like her podcast and when she asks people about things where their answer isn't happy it's almost like I can like third hand um feel that she's affected by their sadness you you know what I mean and this could all just be in my head Uh, but anyway so I've always felt like oh if I talk too much to Lou I'm gonna make her sad (laughs) with all of my darkness um but hey good news apparently there's a there's a 13th zodiac sign which is which means that it'll push all the other zodiac signs meaning that i'm no longer a scorpio i'm a libra so apparently my dark i'm not in a dark i'm not dark anymore anyways uh lou sanders is a very very hilarious stand-up comedian and i'm very glad that i spoke to her she's probably one of the most spiritual pers- one of the most spiritual people that i know she's uh which i love i love i love hearing about i love hearing about crystals and healers and stuff so i love talking to her about that there's one thing i need to say and so at the end of this uh towards the end i have a chat with uh with lou about uh safe spaces and i well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I put forward my stance on it, which you probably know by now if you're someone um, listening to a lot of what I have to say, this idea that safe spaces is usually not the most helpful thing or like declaring something a safe space when you can't maintain that or if you can't live up to that or if there's any uncertainties that you can't predict. And um, and then we start talking about trigger warnings, which is something that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm ready or like educated enough to properly say enough about it. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't feel ready to sort of not defend it, but 
I wasn't educated enough. Like I wasn't educated enough to think, to know what I was thinking about it, if that makes sense. Uh, because I have this gut feeling around it and I've read some stuff around it, uh, which is not in defense of it, which is sort of like a criticism of it. But Lou comes at it from a different perspective and it's not one that I agree with at all. So I found myself in this weird space of sort of having to disagree with her, but also like, it was like she was, she was slightly right, but in the, for very wrong reasons. It doesn't make sense until you've heard it. What I want to say is she, she says some things towards the end that I very much disagree with. And I don't exactly, it's not like I, um, I argue against it perfectly. I don't. It's, but I try and um, it just, I feel like a lot of you might disagree with her as well. And it might not be nice listening to. Um, so that's coming up. And I want to, I haven't said, when, 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 when guests come on and they say something, um, controversial or something that is that I disagree with I will often say to them oh by the way I'm gonna need to say something on the off the top of the podcast just to make sure that people know that it's coming so I did that recently I don't remember I don't remember who I did it with I don't remember anyways but I had to I had to um I've had to do that a few times uh but I haven't said that to Lou because I feel like she was fully aware of what she was saying and uh, she also, I think she knows me and my audience well enough to sort of know who listens. And um, and she did say after we ended the recording, she said, oh, I, she said something like, I hope I didn't sound too harsh or something like that. But then she, she seemed like she knew what she'd been saying, basically. Anyways, that doesn't take away from all the great things that she does say and all the uh, the, the interesting person that she is, but I wanted to give you a heads up because, uh, well, as I always do when I'm not adequately defending my stance, which in this case I couldn't do because it was, um, it was a bit complicated. Anyways, I'll talk a bit more about it after you've actually listened to the episode. Quickly, just want to say, uh, if you're listening to this on the 22nd of July when the episode comes out, th that's a pretty big week, probably the biggest week that I've had during this whole entire lockdown. Because on the 23rd of July, uh, 2020, the, <laughs> the paperback version of my book Happy Fat comes out, which is super exciting it has a different color it's very beautiful i just today this is an, an off off topic i received uh, my book in german which i'm very excited about i can't read it but oh it's in german how cool is that uh so the 23rd my book comes out in paperback so it's obviously cheaper than if you bought the hardback i will be trying to sell them on uh, in care packages i just need to figure out if i can buy a shit ton of them to sell to send out to you also, the 23rd of July is when I am doing my next online live show called How to Love Your Fat. And you can go to sophiehagen.com for, no, just sophiehagen.com. And you can get a ticket. You can, you still have time to go and see it. And I will be announcing an August show as well. I don't know when, but sign up for my newsletter and look out on social media for that. This has now been uh, extremely long. I'm so sorry. So I'm now just going to let you listen to... 
This episode, my conversation with the incredible Lou Sanders. So, for people who might not know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, golly. Uh, yeah, Lou Sanders, a human. That's what the podcast is, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I am a bang on the money there. Um, a daughter, a friend, and I do. I used to have a career. <laughs> do you do you anticipate that coming back after the well you know I'm already gigging it online in car parks so how much more do you dare to dream <laughs> how, how have you been coping with everything you, you told me that you've had COVID yeah had COVID had the antibody test and everything nice to get out of the way but then if you but then and I was like oh you're not going to get it again unless it morphs you know it's really safe but then uh, my friend Luke who I live with who also had it he was saying oh no like they they say in a few months you might be able to get it again and then it really does stitch the lungs up <laughs> oh yeah so are you just are you, I don't are you, I, are you you seem those just you seem more like a more free person than I don't I try not to let the fear in uh I'm not worried about health because I think when it's your time to go it's your time to go I'm more like concerned with the economy etc I mean that's that's such a privileged awful thing like you know if someone close to me had died I'd probably be more concerned with how you know it's just what's around it. although I do know people that have been really like hospitalized from it and stuff so yeah I'm not saying don't wear the face mask. I'm not saying go and have loads of one night stands. I'm saying try not to let the fear in, I suppose. Yeah. But same with money though. Same with yeah. the economy. Well, I was going to, because my, my, whatever I know about you is that you've seemed to be doing a lot of self work and you seem to be quite in touch with your feelings and know sort of how to handle stuff like fear. Is that a right assumption? Well, I had a well because I go to like a healer once a month, sometimes twice a month, if things are you know, and she gives me a discount because I've been so much. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, and what does that entail? What, what's a healer? Uh, Is that the uh, what's it called? Hands over your body and then some energy stuff. Oh no, it's like um, so it's like a counselor in that you talk about the stuff on your mind, but then oh. she also clears it energetically. And this time, I said like I'm worried about you know, because I've just taken out a mortgage and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, she was sort of saying, and all my work's on hold. So you're like, well, if there's a second wave and I'm booked for these TV things, but if they don't go ahead, blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, you're, you're in the matrix of fear, as in it's called, uh, what's it called? Let me get the word up. Um, and I Googled it and it's a real thing. <laughs> um, she said, you're in the egregore of like egregore egregore and it's like a I guess like a matrix of fear where everyone is um you pick up on other people's kind of fears and that expands your own so like you know around Christmas everyone's stressed and it's so Mm -hmm. easy like I usually get in arguments with people generally but around Christmas I, I notice that I do more and stuff. And I think it's because everyone's on tender hooks and everyone's stressed. And some people are stressed about buying presents or, or, or like getting their work done or money or whatever. And everyone's kind of trading on extra. So everyone's quicker to go kind of thing. So mm. you're tapped into the kind of bigger thing. And that's what she was saying about the aggregate. So I don't know, I think there's something in it. 
So was, like if, was, does that, is the theory that everyone does that, but that you're aware of it? Or are you more um, so she, attuned to that? She was saying you have to come out of that because it's not good for you. So you know how like if you're in a, uh, saying it's near someone who's very stressed or near someone, you pick up on that energy and you sort of have to protect yourself from it. Or someone do, who's very negative. Does anyone do that? Or is that a specific type of person who does that? Like pick up on other people's energies because you know how you meet people who are just 100 not even like doesn't even pick up on anyone's feelings yeah 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 actually my friend is like i don't know he's a weird mix but we went to go and see this guy uh so me and i won't say names but me and my well me and my friend ben who also produces my podcast who you know um we were going to record some jingles actually with my other friend uh with my other friend I won't say his name and we got to this guy's place and he was helping us record the jingles and and there was this guy there basically anyway can we start that story again basically (laughs) some people met we all met this guy who was clearly very very depressed and then afterwards when we went away we were oh that's me and Ben were like oh that's a shame like he's really depressed and my other friend was like what really (laughs) we were like yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I don't uh, yeah so I think some people are living in a bubble and that is lovely I suppose but there must be an impact like from like I was with a friend the other day and she's very very negative and then afterwards I had to like put positive songs on uh like in the car to kind of get myself up again so I don't know like I think yeah you 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 can't help but be impacted by by the world around you so it's a it's an effort not to be you have to sort of ride against it I think but I feel like the first step is being aware because I don't think I would even be aware that I'd that I was suddenly more negative after hanging out with someone. I think I would just be negative and it would take a while for me to realize that my mood had changed somehow. So have, so you must yeah. be sort of extra aware of yourself or what's happening in your body and in your brain, or is that? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes if it like, if, yeah, but then sometimes I'm probably the negative person, like, like killing someone else's vibe. Like you could, like, we can only control our stuff, depending on what else is going on, you know, it's easier to control, isn't it? I suppose like, you know, if you've got a death in the family, I give, I'm giving someone a card for that. An, an excuse card an excuse card yeah, you can be a bit not negative a penalty or... card <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh you're a bit oh you're a bit down in the dumps you've been <laughs> yeah, made it. <laughs> yeah my mum just died okay oh fair enough fair enough you have 24 hours yeah um, 24 hours have you always been sort of what 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 word would you use spiritual or what do you have well, a word uh, for sort of being into those sort of things unfortunately it is spiritual yeah unfortunately it's got such a wishy-washy like eh, spiritual it's not like, anymore though right now it's become it millennial yeah TikTok. it needs a new word also I know people who identify spiritual who are dark as fuck like really dark like yeah one guy that's like raped someone definitely and is like I'm spiritual so <laughs> I should be telling the police, not you, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what can you do? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's a complicated situation. <laughs> Is oh. this the content you wanted for the podcast? <laughs> it's, it's life, baby. It's life. <laughs> I mean, I would love to hear more about that specific situation, but I also feel like legally you're not in a yeah, 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 yeah. Place to dive in on that. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I didn't 
in the past couple of years, zodiac signs and crystals and witchcraft and stuff has become more of a accepted or mainstream or I mean, yeah, now you can buy witching books on ASOS and stuff, right? So it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But have it, you always been into that? Yeah, since I was thirteen and I went to spiritual oh, yeah. church. <laughs> Wait, you've got what's what does that mean? Like in where I'm from, there was like a spiritual church. There was a church and they let like the it be like a spiritual night on a certain night. And I think I went to one with mediums and uh, yeah, there was like spiritual healing where you just leave a donation. I've talked about this on something recently, I think. And me and my friend Jules used to go. And uh, yeah, so I, def- I definitely was always into, but you got to be careful because sometimes it's like mixing with the wrong like shit. Like if you it has to be so I've definitely done stuff which is not like if you're making spells and stuff like that you've got to be really careful what what you're getting tied up with because like it it can't really be for want because if you're doing it like I want to get this job but which I've done loads of before and it's really bad because that's the kind of want of the ego and you're um it's not on the side of the light kind of thing so it's complicated or business like things that you then had to learn about you yeah. say it as if it's like specific terms yeah like, like yeah of- just i like fruit i've had different like um like gurus or healers or whatever and i like i'm only at the beginning really even though that like, you feel like oh god i've done so much work but i'm still not ethical in that i sometimes slag people off or i sometimes like get jealous and all the stuff that is not like that's total ego it's really hard in our industry not to do and Mm -hmm. then sometimes I'm a little bitch and I'm like oh god that and that's karma that comes back at you so like I do like this stuff but it's just some people will like it naturally like I spend so much time and energy on it and then some people are just like little buddhas they're just like so nice to everybody so I don't know but do you um I (laughs) But do you have, I don't know, I just, I feel like it's, I'm, there's so much to feel bad about, right? And it's so hard when you feel bad about your own humanity, like jealousy and ego and stuff, it's, but it's better you know, for you to clear it. I know what you mean. Like you shouldn't kick yourself about it. You shouldn't be like, oh, I'm a piece of shit because I got jealous of this person. But you should analyze it like sort of objectively and be like, okay, this isn't healthy. This isn't good for me or them. And it comes back mm. to you. Like we should see the, like the way that I switched it before is like, well, if that person can get something good for them, because, you know, if I'm like that, they're not talented, you know, I'd be like, well, well, good. It means there's opportunities everywhere. Good for them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and there's some people that love their stuff and that's great because they are, you know, they're getting their needs met. So this is great. I don't get that jealous now but I used to get so jealous now and again if I'm like what like but it gets less and less and that that is only selfish reasons to work on that so that you don't feel you know annoyed all the time I have I ever told you about this um I engage with a lot it's I had this thing with my close friends what which I like to call empathetic bitching <laughs> because so it's like acknowledging that bitching can sometimes feel good and we can sometimes need it but we also know it's not actually okay (laughs) it's not a nice thing to do so when we do bitch it always has this implicitness like before uh, like when I first start talking to someone uh, and we start to get into the bitching we'll I'll always make it very clear that we're both 
that we both have full empathy towards the person that if we met them and hung out with them, we would probably like them yeah. that they probably have their reasons for having done something or for being a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that it's not their fault. And then we look inwards and we go, you know, yes, I am. I hate this person right now, but it's actually only because they remind me of me or yes. because I'm jealous or because um, I'm just in a bad mood and I need to take it out on someone or they, you know, whatever, they look like this person who bullied me at school. Or there's always some deeper reason that has nothing to do with this particular person, but they just happen to post a video on Instagram and now I hate them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. always have this like, and we don't have it every time, but in the beginning when I start talking to someone, I make sure that when we do bitch, we have these implicit things that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so and we usually end it by going, but you know what, actually good for her. And like, this yeah. is actually quite good. Or- yeah, yeah, you've got to work through it. So there was only one person in our industry that I hated that. Uh, and that was because they were really, I'm not even going to say gender, but they were so mean to me that I, it was just, there was something really dark going on and they were so fucking mean to me. And so I always hated them and I always was like, oh, they're doing that thing. And I knew that they also resented any success I had. And then I spoke to like one of my healers about it. And she was like, the healer was like, yeah, well, this person is a part of you that you can't stand that is on the same vibration as this person, like a little part of you. And then, of course, you're like, I'm not like this person. I'm nice, you know. And they're like, well, you've done some similar things in the past. And I was like, what, in other past lives? And they were like, no, 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 in this lifetime. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) So then it's like you have to forgive yourself for the things you've done that are the same. Like if you've bullied someone or you've like whatever. And so then I did this thing where I forgave myself for the stuff and I could see what they meant as well as like, oh no I probably have I, well I definitely have and then and then it gets easier and now I don't feel so resentful towards this person it sounds so difficult no it was just one quick fire ritual but that the, the thing with this person is he's been a real process so it's been um a real process but that is what like this person is a gift for sure to like press my buttons so that I work on this stuff that's what life is about I think you have to work on the stuff otherwise you have to do it again in another lifetime that's what I believe as kooky as that sounds that is what I believe so anyone that challenges you in that way and bring bring, like flares up it's painful at the time but then if you do the work it gets easier and easier and easier and then you're like oh my god I've come so far and yeah I think that yeah it's hard to think of them as gifts when they want you dead but I think it is yeah, it's, it's, well, it's really facing your own. Well, it's ego and it's the vulnerability and f- we don't like to be flawed, right? We don't like to know that we have so many errors and that we may have fucked up as well. And I find myself apart, like excusing for myself so much like, you know, oh yeah, but I was going through that and it's super understandable that yeah. actually who am I? who am I apologizing to who am I explaining this to right I read a book I read a book once (laughs) (laughs) yeah baby and I read this it was I can't remember what it was but it was in this book they said that we all think we're moral and if we do something immoral there's so many excuses as to why we did it but we don't lend that hand to other people sort of thing I mean that I don't even want to I don't even want to mention social media but that that's exactly the problem isn't it yeah a bunch of people shouting because 
you don't extend any kind of understanding or empathy or mm. even just like a doubt to anyone else because it's so yes mad it's so <laughs> extreme right have you been the have you looked into past life stuff well yeah I don't the past life regression thing I had it once and I thought mm, I'm not sure about this in that I do believe in past lives for sure but the past life regression thing I just didn't didn't think it was very good or very powerful and I thought well you could be saying anything I'm not resonating or feeling anything with this but then there's been loads of documentaries about past life stuff loads of people when they die have the same experience and then they're brought back to life like they see a light and it, they someone says like it's not your time and and there's so many cases supporting each other kind of thing and is that related the seeing the light is that related to past well life? well it shows that something else is going on at like something else is going on. So it's like when they die, they if they see a light and someone comes and says like, you know, it's not your time or something or they converse with them, it sort of dictates that it's not all when you die. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think us, our souls are here to grow and I don't think we get one shot of that. I think it's, um, yeah. So what initially made you go into that? um spiritual church when you were th- was it 13 god I don't know um probably a mix of knowing there was something out you know when you're lo- younger you sort of know well not like I, well, I don't know what anyone else thinks when they're younger but when I was younger I sort of had a knowing that like sort of adults were mad and like they've got the wrong end of the stick and there's more and I don't know like all the natural things that you have as a kid so it gets stamped out of you but you sort of know when they're young or you think you know when you're young that they're right, like the gratitude or, um, you know, just an easy easy affection and trust and stuff like that. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I know everyone's childhood is different and that's probably what impacts and then you're like, you know, but I, yeah, I've sort of felt like there was other stuff. Like my nephews when they were really young would draw angels and stuff like that and I always thought, oh, that's cute. Like, I don't know. So, but are you thinking that that's like a what do you mean with the angels I just, Is that a, I just think that kids know there's more and then it gets sort of uh, there's so many distractions in life that they sort of forget like my favorite story okay this is my favorite story and I've probably said it before because I love it I've told loads of people so my friend had two kids it was actually a friend of a friend but then it already sounds ropey <laughs> A friend of a friend's next door neighbor's postman. Um, (laughs) But a good friend of mine, her friend. So they had two kids and one was a little baby and one was like a toddler. And every morning the toddler would go into the baby um, to go and like talk to it and stuff. And they had one of those, um, you know, that walkie talkie things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so they, they would listen to the toddler just you know garbling away to it like talking to the baby and then and then they heard the toddler go you've got to tell us where we've come from because I'm starting to forget I mean there's loads of stuff like that yeah there's loads of stuff like that but you think like a baby like we're distracting it all the time toys music shaky things words like you know different vocabulary that is the same as words you know but they're reading energy all the time like they're picking up on energy in the womb and then they're reading energy all the time there's so much going on and they are dependent on someone like much bigger than them for everything 
so they just get led into their world sort of thing and I think we're meant to forget the other world where we come from so we that's the whole point like if you're in a computer game you're in a computer game have you, were you do you feel like you've been searching were you searching for something when you were 13 um I feel if I remember being 13 I was searching for probably searching for like validation and friendship and you know identity stuff and you know like you, you are in a searchy age yeah. I don't remember searching for anything that was sort of bigger than me apart from of course Westlife yeah, um, yeah. they were a bit more tangible than spirituality it's weird I might have been younger than 13 I might have been 11 because 13 I was starting to drink and go to clubs and stuff 13 14 so actually I might have been younger just so funny to me the different lives of like being outside the spiritual like with the old ladies and stuff and thinking yep I'm gonna come back here <laughs> I think I was searching for he literally he like I was had a quite an unhappy time of it so you could sort of you know when people have, like see a UFO or whatever you'd be like oh were they high you know this is it you know when you say like oh their home life wasn't happy that happy so it's like oh you weren't searching for meaning you were just like desperate kind of thing but I don't feel like there was probably an element of you know literally searching for healing but how does anyone find anything you know like if you've got all the material things you're not looking inwards if you've got like a really normal happy family life and everything material you don't search inwards which is also a fine life we're all I do I think we're here to learn different things. I don't think everyone should, has to be on the same path. Oh my God. Well, of course not, you know, but um, yeah. So you hadn't, you didn't have a happy home life or? Well, no, not at the time, but now we all get on so well and I love my family so much. Well, it was good. just, yeah, it was just like um, bringing in another ingredient with my stepdad and yeah, just like mad old time, but who is happy as a kid? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> In comedy, sorry, in comedy. <laughs> I've um, did you say you went drinking into clubs when you were 13? First time I went clubbing, I was 13, yeah, but I looked a lot older and then um, and my friends were older and stuff. And then because if you looked 16, you could get away with it, and I looked 15. Um, but I didn't go much when I was 13, it was like a bit of a novelty, like once or twice, got away with it, and then usually when I was like 14, 15. I mean, where I grew up, that was sort of the norm. And I was yeah, the weirdo yeah. who didn't drink till I was 16, like a loser. Yeah. But I've not heard about that in in the UK. People well, in to Seaside be... Town, you know what I mean? There was one girl who was that like... A thing? Well, just like, what else is there to do? There was oh. one girl, though, who... Um, you sh- you're right now not to drink. I wish I'd drunk later because I think it sort of affects your brain cells because they're still developing so I think that's why I'm a bit and I'm yeah and I'm a genius so yeah you're a genius and I'm <laughs> but there was one girl she was stunning like and also the what we think is stunning at that age like long blonde hair big blue eye you know like sort of uh, skinny tall and she was 15 and she was in Thorley's a club and her mum came in to drag her out and everyone <laughs> saw and everyone knew who she was like because she was like the town stunner and her mom dragged her out and then when you went back in the club there were pictures of her on the wall like do not let this girl in flip it oh. out <laughs> but yeah. he, i mean you, you you can understand you can understand where the the mother is coming from right yeah but it's so ex- like yeah it's so extreme i mean i don't know what was the you just die of embarrassment don't you yeah <laughs> well when i was like i was the judgy i was judgy i was the I was the 13 year old saying, 
Ah, uh, so you need alcohol to have fun. Ah. <laughs> um, I just like to just uh, just read a book. Have you tried reading a book? Like I was that asshole. Until <laughs> okay, I started well, drinking myself and I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> this is so much fun. <clears throat> Emailing everyone. Yeah, yeah, I was wrong. But yeah, we so were- sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I heard so when we because at school like it would all get back like if you've been to Thorley's at the weekend or even on the Thursday when it's two for one like everyone would be like did you cut Thorley's like and you'd be like yeah I went at Thorley's like really please yourself and then some of the like kids from the nicer families they'd obviously heard their mum or dad saying it and they were parroting it they went well I just think like if you're going to the clubs now what are you going to do when you're 17 and I said yeah I'm going to go up London (laughs) (laughs) you got better clubs yeah, yeah, yeah. but how so was it a toxic environment like I mean for a, essentially a child right you're a child when you're 13 right uh, well it wasn't Ish. a lot when I was 13 I only went like once or twice when I was 13 and it was a real thrill because it was like oh my god I was in 30s I remember what I was wearing like big crochet flares <laughs> with tights underneath and the song at the time was Colin Mr. Raider Colin oh. Mr. I think that was like I may have wow. merged the years but it was around that time you know and dancing in my flares thinking I was all that dancing to calling myself thinking I've made it <laughs> I, I remember one club I went to when I was yeah 16 I just remember two guys like grabbing my ass and then I got weirded out and then I just stood in a corner for the rest of the time oh, really? and I was like yeah. this was not fun yeah, but also yeah. I I am not I'm also not the fun person at a party now <laughs> but <laughs> even without the ass grabbing uh, but were you were you do you know what you know what I mean when I ask you like were you older than your age yeah definitely like like I used to feel um bad for nonces that were um getting off with 15 year olds because I was like when I was 15 I was really like going out with older boys and stuff like that but I do think it's different now and when I see a 15 year old now I'm like oh my god they're a child like I felt like an adult 15 I moved out when I was 15 and I I, I honestly think I was quite like a I felt I don't know I didn't feel like a child and but now I think it's a lot younger and now I do think it's gross like you look at 15 year olds and you're like how is that sexy it, it they're kids even the way they talk everything is like ugh. yeah I was definitely the same I always liked myself older because I thought it, I might as well be yeah yeah you know, I'd be like 12 saying I was 16 doing, it's I'm pretty much 16 in my yeah. brain uh where did you move to like when you were 15 you moved out to live alone just around, the, to... Corner, just around the corner yeah yeah which you can't do but I signed on early because I met this charity but and then yeah, then I moved in with my boyfriend when I was 16. I had a great time in a way. In a way. In a way. But people were older there. Like I, I got a bar job at 16 versus I was 17. And did you, I felt like you can do, like especially, I don't know, back in the day it was a bit freer, wasn't it? We'd only just got seatbelts probably. <laughs> so, so you started drinking. You Am I wrong to, and then that, did that become a problem? You don't drink anymore? No, no, I don't drink. No, no yeah, yeah. As pretty, uh, yeah, as a piss head. Up and down, up and down, though. So I'd be fine for a year. Like, I'd be a nightmare for the first five or six years. Then I, everyone would be like, oh, you've got a drinking problem. I'd be like, no, I haven't. And then I'd, like, give it up or go really slowly for, like, six months or a year or, you know what I mean? So it was really, it wasn't always horrific, um, but I'd always come back to disgracing myself <laughs> or being a legend <laughs> do you like drinking now do you drink 
not that often. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like I'm old. I'm just, I feel old now. Like it takes me three days to get over a hangover. Oh, it's yeah. not. And I've, I've had a few. I mean, it's probably more than over a year ago, but I still remember it as the. Of, I think it was the night where I decided, to, oh, I'm never going to get this drunk again, because it was mm. just this, just feeling. I was in a bar and I was flirting with a woman, and she was just really gorgeous and then suddenly nick you know nick duty yeah comedian nick duty he was in the corner of this bar and then i don't remember i don't remember what happened but i somehow i, I must have made him do this because <laughs> oh, i God. don't know if he would do this automatically but he came up to me and pretended to be a fan and i think <gasps> it was to, imp- so to make funny. me impress to be impressive yeah, to this yeah. woman yeah. And I don't remember if I've asked him to do it or if I've like signaled to him. And if I did signal, did she see me signal it to oh him? Oh my God, that's but so funny. I remember funny. him coming up to me and it took me a while to realize that he was pretending like he didn't know me. Because I was like, this is a weird, you're weirdly being like complimentary for a for a colleague. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, I see what's happening. And then he would walk away and I'd say, oh, I don't know, sir, this just comes with the... Ah, that's so funny it's so funny that if she knew what you were up to like because you know when you're drunk (laughs) (laughs) I really want to get with this one (laughs) the you think you're being so subtle don't you when you are a job that's the that's the excruciating thing that everyone sees everything and And you do the thing of saying I don't you probably haven't noticed it but I've actually been uh, flirting with you all night no I noticed (laughs) oh okay oh I'm oh well, that changes everything. Uh, oh God! I, I, I just remember. I, I, I remember leaving voice that night. I left voice messages, which is so much worse than texts. Like drunk yeah. texts. I I didn't know that I could leave drunk voice messages, and it was the worst. Oh, and no. the next day, I had to like plead and beg with people to not listen to them. Oh God! And of course, they did. They must have done. I would have listened. Yeah, 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 yeah. More so. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. And I just thought, no, this is not, I think I'm done with this. This is. Does the the video of this go anywhere? Because I'm in my pajamas at 4.30. Does that matter? (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) I I don't usually use them. If I I want to at some point, I'll ask you, but I don't. (laughs) I don't mind. But it's nice to get, that's a great side about lockdown. It's nice to get in your PJs, isn't it? I've worn nothing but pajamas for 121 days now. Yeah, it's you're so comfortable. Today, though, you're in well, it's I have a shirt over my pajamas. Well, oh. it's not pajamas. What's it called? Loungewear. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Leggings and just like a top, and everything's soft. Nothing is no zippers. Yeah. Not unzipped anything for. It will. I did. I went. I went to a restaurant before you could go to restaurants because you could sit outside of this one. You can. You could just go into order and then sit outside. And I was like to my friend Barney. I was like, look at us in a restaurant. And he said. Well, we're not really in a restaurant. I was like, we are. But anyway, I wore jeans and he's like, what are you doing wearing jeans in lockdown? But it's going to be weird going back, isn't it? Like in terms yeah. of we have to get more done of a day, I suppose. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big. I don't know how I've begun to miss those little things like being on a train mm. and just seeing things pass by the window yeah. that isn't, you know, the fence outside my window (laughs) and just missing these. I miss telling a wait, a waiter that I would like a Coke 
Like something so yeah. simple as saying, oh, can I have the, I don't know, it's just a, it's, yeah. the smallest things that, I'm, that I didn't realize I liked to do. Everyone back to work now. There was only 11 deaths, obviously very sad, 11 deaths in the UK yesterday. Oh, really? That's good, isn't it? It is good. I feel like I can't. I mean, I, I, obviously, it's horrible for those people. I don't mean like, you know, but uh, the it's number. Just, yeah. Wise. I think it is a good number. I, I just don't know if it's going to, if that's, it takes two weeks, right, for the numbers to climb. So if everything's opening yeah. now, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, also, I'm also very careful with not, um, what's it called? Uh, guessing. Yes, I love guessing. <laughs> Should we play a guessing game now? I love guessing things up, um, but sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, I'm talking about something I know nothing about. <laughs> but I do that, and I do that a lot. I, I talk a lot about things that I'm not educated in, but I do it with confidence because I know I'm right. But I then I also don't want to mix it up with things I actually don't know anything about <laughs> where I just feel like I know something. Even stuff I know about, I don't know about. So, I've, you know, I don't, I don't think there's one subject I know about. Like not in the world ever because I don't retain facts or information so but I just think uh you know the end uh, you can get far on a bit of a gut you know what I mean you don't know but you know yeah are you as were you a school person like have you did you do the whole school did you finish school you know at school if you had a school (laughs) like were you good at school were you that were you that kid when I was really little I was like really as good as I could be like I wasn't top of the class but I was sort of up there there were some real real like squares that were like you know there's four squares ahead of me four or five squares very small class actually so I was probably in the middle but I always felt like I was like you know pretty smart and involved and stuff because my brother was so naughty I thought if I don't tell the line my mum's gonna have a breakdown so it's really committed to school and I wanted to be like a good girl for ages and then we moved to France when I was 10 and I had to copy because I didn't really know the language at the start and then that made me a bit like not really thinking more like looking at at someone else's work and then yeah and then I came back and I was all right I was good at the subjects I was good at but the rest was a bit of a slog you know so when did you live in France or how long did you live in France 10 to 11 I got my GCSE in French because my stepdad was like it'll be a great like sort of prank <laughs> <laughs> to have a 10 year old with a GCSE in French I missed the back paper off like I I, I like them I, I came out me and my brother did it and then he was like oh did you what did you think about the one with a cat or whatever and I was like what and he's like yeah yeah you had to turn the page over I'm not very good at turning the page over if there's a blank space you're like done and I was <laughs> early I was like done early thank you and um I don't know why we took our GCSE but anyway um <laughs> once I went for an interview with someone I really fancied this is when I worked in tv and you know how you leave stuff on your cv that's quite infantile and you don't really realize it's just yeah. like left on there and he said oh he said French GCSE obtained at the age of 10 and I died I died because you know when you're younger and your stepdad helps you with your t- cv yeah. or and they're like oh like here's a real selling point nobody's gonna <laughs> and yet here I am showing off years later in the podcast about it oh, dear. oh my god well, did you, so you fared well in school well, you fa- uh, could you take the surprise out of your voice please Sophie you keep pushing this point so hang on let me get this straight you okay. finished school and you did all right 
Let me just, I can't go I, th- I think the reason I'm surprised is because you're you seem so um not good with restriction and being put into a box and so what and- it was was okay so I I think I know what you're driving at and you are you are right but what happened was so I moved out when I was 15 and then I d- was doing my GCSEs when I was living in this little like flat by the railway station and my stepdad and my mum were cross to me. We'd had loads of arguments. And my stepdad puts a lot of um, pressure on education and because he was a teacher as well. So they thought that I was going to get nothing, uh, no GCSEs. And I really knuckled down in the last month or two because I thought, oh, God, this, this, this isn't good. So I really knuckled down. My friend Jules helped me with science and she was really good at explaining stuff. And then basically everyone thought I was going to get like Ds, like straight Ds. And I got... Like, it's not amazing what I got, but for what everyone thought I was going to get, they were dancing around the kitchen. <laughs> I got two A's, four B's, and two C's. And that was, like, remarkable. Like, I, they were basically crying because <laughs> they thought I was going to flunk everything. And I was like, ha, sussed. I got some good marks. And um, so it's not like straight A's or anything, but it's not straight D's. And... Um, Average, that's where I kind of love to just be sitting in that middle hook. Yeah, so, but yeah, so I, was, I did all right in the end. And so it was just the, the sort of struggle with imagining you taking orders oh. from a teacher. And oh, what? So, so author- knew- it's basically that authority, I guess, is more what I'm asking about rather but than school. I knew, I, I knew how to get around that. So basically at school, it's just a middle-class dance to... Uh, be followers, isn't it? We all know that. I don't want to sound like some like I don't want to sound like some like man that only wears black and sits in his room playing computer games and drinks coke and blames all his failings on the government. But it is like um, you have to know how to because my mom was quite middle class. You sort of know how to give them what they want without doing a lot of the work. So I got a lot of free periods because I would play this system like they they said oh do you want to do French or German you've got a French GCC so obviously you do German and I was like yeah then I thought oh German's awful so I said look I just want to better my grades in French I think I can get an A if I really want to so I was like I'm going to do French as soon as I join the French class I was like yeah I know all this stuff so I'm going to use the periods to learn um stuff that I'm struggling a bit with so maths and science and they were like okay you can have these free periods I just work the system all the time so I get loads of free periods and then my boyfriend would pick me up on his motorbike and I'd like spin it off it's really fun and, and then um then I really regret that now because I'd love to be able to speak another language <laughs> and I can't even speak French so I really fucked up in the long term but at the time you think you're getting away with it and one of my teachers was like, oh, you can't get into sixth form. Um, like, there's just no way we'll have you. It's over stupid things like not wearing your blazer and stuff that doesn't matter. And they just, I don't know. Like, So then she was like, oh, you'll have your exit meeting anyway, but you're not like coming into the sixth form. And I just thought the whole thing was so petty. So then in the meeting, I was like, I said, look, I realize now, I've made some grave errors and I understand now that I've got to toe the line about authority and I know you don't want me in the school anyway, but uh, you'll see a real commitment and a real change in me at the end of the year anyway, because I just want to respect those, blah, blah, blah. Just gave them everything they wanted to hear. And she said, you know what? I never thought I'd say this, but there's a place for you in the sixth form if you want it. And I went, no, thanks. I'm going to Canterbury College. But it was just a, a farsity of 
do you know what I mean? That's how serial killers get away with it. Like telling everyone what they want to hear and then just being like, well, and then behind your back, I do this. It's just so stupid. Uh, I was, I was exactly the same. When I finally graduated, yeah. I, uh, the principal was shaking everyone's hands. And when I sh- shook her hand, I said, you never thought I'd make it. <laughs> And she just went, keep moving. And she like shook my hand. Whoa. And it must be so so much. And it must be so annoying to be a teacher and have all these like different like little energies in the class trying to like ego again. Like that was totally my ego of like being like, I want to stand out, be different, or rile against it or whatever. And it is a complex thing. Like I know people that have tried to be teachers for the better good of humanity, and then they've met against such fucking little runts, you know, and you and like now I wish I hadn't made people's life more difficult and stuff. And the system is the system. So there's no point being like, I'm not going to play, you know, or thinking you're above it or better. Or, I don't know. Like there's issues with education, but they were right. I think because I'd love to be able to speak French properly or German and French. And I can't speak either. Well, it's also just built for a certain type of, intelligence and a certain type of brain and Mm-mm. there's so much to just I mean I'm I had <laughs> I simply had to cheat in my exams <laughs> simply ha- had no choice <laughs> but you know I was I was I was in the middle of a very harsh depression and uh I I had to graduate <laughs> and, and so, so I I feel like when I sat in front of my German teacher at my exam and he knew for a fact I was cheating but he couldn't say anything because there was another teacher there. And I saw him, like, he was so angry he could wow. have punched the table. Wow. And I feel like we were just two people who who did what was right for us to do. Yeah. But it just so happened to be pissing each other off. Yeah. And I just – and you know what? That's something that a lot of people will graduate school with straight A's, but they won't be able to talk their way out of a situation like that. And yeah. it's another type of intelligence that you yeah. also need in the world for other things. Yeah. This is not just serial killers, it's also CEOs, right? Who can do yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I wish in schools, I do wish it was more balanced and more I wish they taught meditation and dealing with emotions and stuff like that. I wish for the kids and for the teachers, but there's such a strain and a pressure for mm. the teachers and, and the kids. It's yeah, it's not I mean it's a nightmare. It's not good. But also you you it didn't sound, it doesn't sound like you were going through a good time at home. So would they have that's another thing is if they can pick up on well, I was some... quite, it was sort of, I wasn't like a victim in a way, especially like I was living on my own and I could handle all that stuff. And it was like, you know, it could have been way worse. Like I wasn't being, you know, like I don't, I didn't see myself as vulnerable in that sense kind of thing. Yeah. Like, cause I had my freedom. I, so it wasn't like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I wasn't I, being I oppressed. Little... I wasn't being oppressed. It was just family <laughs> dynamics that then takes you a few years to sort out, but no one's doing it on purpose and your welfare isn't sort of at risk or anything. You know, and my parents yeah. are great. My parents are great. It was just like. A tough time. Yeah. Yeah. But they are like, I'm so lucky. So, so lucky. So, yeah. I was trying to think about what my first. Like I was trying to think about when we met and I think the first time I met you or definitely the first time I saw you on stage, it must be eight years or something ago. Mm. And it was Tony Law. He did these weird comedy nights. And I 
think I remember you going on stage and I think the first sort of minute it wasn't going well. And then you said, listen, I've just been dumped or I've just broken up with someone or like fiance or something. Yeah. And then you just talked about that and it was so funny and it seemed so off the cuff and like, like this had actually happened that day. This wasn't a gig in um, like near Muswell Hill, was it? That it wasn't like a woman was running. Jewish I think it was the lady. Tony Law gig. Maybe. Oh right, okay. I did a I did a gig the night I split up with my fiance. I think that <laughs> no, that must have been it. Maybe I'm mis- mixing it up with something else. That was the night. Yeah, and it was. Oh my god, I was so raw. Like I try. I'd ended it. Yeah, that day, and I was like, I needed to leave the flat because we lived together. So I was like, I'll, I'll just go out and do the gig. But you know when you don't know the impact that something's had on you. And I was just like a shell and no one could really work out that there was a disconnect. I was just doing my material and there was a disconnect. People were like, is she all right? And then I said, guys, I've just spoke with my fiance. And then, yeah, it's always better to be, oh man, that was, yeah, that was horrific. <laughs> I remember it as being really funny. I mean, obviously it's funny and all those things, but. Yeah, it was funny when you let people into like what's really going on. Cause they can tell, everyone can tell on some way, like, you know, I was just, trotting out my material and people are like no yeah I, that was in 2017 at, in Edinburgh I got stage fright weirdly so mm. I just every time I went on stage my heart was beating my my the palms of my hands were sweating I could like my, like I couldn't properly say words and it was just horrible and I did night after night of just, well day after it's 2 p.m but show after show of just just it was horrible it wasn't working and everyone could feel something was wrong and I spoke to John Kearns about it and he said tell them I was like oh yeah of course wow and then just tell them just say I have stage fright and then I did a few jokes about that so they laughed and they understood it and it started going better I still had it so I still wasn't amazing obviously but it was so much easier for both me and the audience to be able to pinpoint what lens they were seeing me through yeah, 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 yeah. That, so I think that, it's true. Like being honest with them is. Yeah. Oh. That's the gigs where I find the hardest if you're not allowed to, like if it's a TV recording or something like that and you can't really go into it and they're like, you have to stick to the thing. It's so, like if you're in, if nothing's going on, okay, fine. But like, yeah, I think it's really hard to not be able to say. I don't mean that. Oh God, it's really tough. But that's, I mean, it's not as good a gig is what I mean. Mm. so what what's the connection sort of between everything that you are and then doing comedy like what was the what, what why why comedy why how I just didn't really like anything else and oh I, w- I was working in tv which I liked and doing development and stuff but it was more in like fact end and I didn't really uh watch any fact end but it was like the apprentice and stuff and I didn't really watch it at the time and I was like I kept like putting ideas in with comedians and cats and <laughs> my friends with that. I work for my friend who I'm still good friends with. And she is like, yeah, every idea you pitched was like with a comic and a cat. <laughs> One or the other or both. I never got anything commissioned, would you believe? <laughs> yes. So comedy was, yeah. I mean, well, what else are you going to do? Yeah. It's sort of like a, a kind of seemingly quite free thing, right? We yeah. can do whatever you want ish. Yeah, I'm fascinated with how people find their path. Like even in comedy, when you sort of think someone might not make it as a stand-up, 
but then they diversify into I don't know like doing magazine stuff or whatever it's interesting isn't it and you sort of think when people are when you're in a job which isn't a good fit it's so depressed I've had so many jobs where I'm like so bad at them like PAing or whatever and you sort of feel it in you it's so depressing like knowing that you're doing quite a bad job for people but really trying so yeah I mean some of my gigs have been like that as well but (laughs) I was about to say there's even things within comedy when you have to send emails or things like that when you're like oh this is not part of my this is not what I wanted to do but I have to do this thing in order to get up on stage and yeah yeah yeah, and I'm just I think a lot of us comedians will have that in common of I really don't like doing something I don't want to do yeah but yeah so spoiled though isn't it I mean we've all got to do our tax I mean I've got an accountant but I still have to do loads of tax stuff I thought that once you had an accountant you wouldn't have to touch it but you basically have to do most of it for them well I mean I love my accountant so much he's changed my life like in terms of uh because I couldn't get a mortgage and he helped me get a mortgage and stuff and um uh he's great (laughs) he's my friend's stepdad but um can he explain does he explain things to you as if you're five years old um mine doesn't and that's a problem yeah I'm I'm having to yeah uh I mean we don't go through it that much but um he doesn't live in London but when he comes to London I'm gonna make I've got a list of questions to ask him basically (laughs) Um, my actually my second memory of you was when I debuted in oh it must have been 2015 you did Edinburgh in 2015 right yeah yeah Yeah, it must have been that one yeah and everyone because I was new and I was debuting everyone had said to me don't watch anyone else's show because if you watch someone else's show you're just going to be really jealous and you're going to hate them and then you're only going to think about your own show so I didn't do that for the first four or five days and I was so miserable (laughs) I felt so alone with it. Like I was the only one doing a show and, and then I was like, fuck it. And yours was the first show I went to see and it Aww. just blew my mind. And I was just like, this is amazing. And I was so happy. It was the Eton show, I think. Oh yeah. yeah trying yeah, to get yeah. into Eton. And yeah. I was just, I didn't even know what Eton was. But I was just like, this is so good. And that sort of, I feel like that made my Edinburgh. Like that just made it me feel so alive. And so That's creative. Nice. And I was like, Oh, nice. I was so happy that I wasn't, like me <laughs> so happy I'm not doing that oh, shit <laughs> no but I was so happy that they weren't right that watching your show didn't make me or watching yeah, anyone's yeah. show for that matter didn't make me all bitter and jealous and but yeah, I was yeah, yeah. just really happy that we're all being now, creative if you'd seen a good show that would have made you <laughs> what they said you can go see the bad shows um <laughs> I remember doing your gig and you ran a great gig at the Phoenix in town. Oh yeah. That? And it was like, you'd put out stuff about like, Oh, if you, <laughs> and I didn't realize you must've sent an email about it. And we don't really read emails do we? but <laughs> it said like, it was for people like if people have got anxiety or they don't want to be picked on, like the gig is a safe space. Oh yeah. And I was not familiar with that notion before. And I did not read the email obviously. And then a guy, <laughs> I really picked on him because he was looking like he wasn't enjoying it and I was like oh hey what's your problem and he just had like high anxiety and you told them that no one would pick on him and I was like hey mate what's your problem and uh, then he told me afterwards I felt like such a clown but I was also very nice to him and it did go okay in the end and then I think I emailed him to say I am so sorry I was uh, just paranoid that you weren't enjoying it but it all ended well but it was a real lesson 
It's, I think all in all, that's the whole idea of safe spaces is something that I, and that's the reason why I no longer call anything a safe space. Not like yeah, you yeah, ruin yeah, safe spaces yeah, for, yeah. not that sounds yeah. like, but this idea <laughs> that as soon as you, if you in, if you're in any situation where you can't predict anything, which is most situations that's yeah. you know, non-pre-recorded, calling it a safe space is, I mean, dangerous, right? Because you're make, letting people open up a certain, you know, as soon as yeah. people feel safe, then it's they're much more vulnerable, right? So I've, and, the idea yeah. of calling a gig a safe space is now I, yeah. would, I would never do that. And also I've got mixed feelings about that sort of stuff because I think there's uh, about triggering and stuff like that because I think there's, I think we're supposed to be challenged in life and to try and like get the world to take away anything that's going to make you feel uncomfortable doesn't allow you to grow as a person. So, and, and it's putting the responsibility on other people. So I think, you have to take responsibility for yourself. That's something to upsetting. We've all been through things. Like most women have been raped. You know, we've all been through uncomfortable things and it's our job to heal ourselves and not get triggered by the world, I think. Well, I think there's, there's the, the, the problem is that there's, because what you say about uncomfortableness is true, but that's not triggers, but people use the word trigger. I, someone told me another word for it and now I, I can just have not been able to remember it. Button? No, some button button something like that anyway something about button anyways so there's things that make us uncomfortable which is you know uncomfortable topics and yeah you know discussion of sexual assault and you know all of these things death and which is where people usually put trigger warnings because it makes us feel bad and that and it's not necessarily that you know everyone should be healing themselves and stuff it's more that anything that like I have a friend who was sexually assaulted and she, there was a specific type of Ikea furniture in that room. So her hearing about this particular, particular Ikea furniture is her like trigger, right? Like yeah, it's, it's yeah. what makes her feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I have phobias and I have weird things that will remind me of a specific trauma. Yeah. But it's not the word, you know, of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. It's a smell or like a yeah thing, right? So you can't really, properly give a trigger warning because you don't know what people's triggers are like when I did those anxiety safe shows people would email me and be like these are my triggers do you mention any of these things in the show and some of them would be like a a fruit of some sort I'd be like but this is the thing I think people like I think that so I had someone in my family who was uh, quite mentally unstable she's passed away now but she wanted the whole world to bend to her she's quite christian and she didn't think people should swear she didn't people do a, quite a lot of there's quite a long list of things and she was really unhappy in life because all the time she was trying to change the world to fit to her um worldview her viewpoint her like whatever and you know what i mean the way that she wanted it and you're never going to get the world to bend to your perspective you have to work on yourself so that you're strong enough to to sort of let things pass you by and not everything the world isn't built for you for one person not for you for one for one person the world is full of good and bad labels of good and bad we would say good and bad whatever yeah and I think to, to, to try and get everyone or to try and go to a place and have the experience that you design when you don't even know what's good for you you don't even know like so out of the the biggest horrors can come the biggest learnings and and actually more peace so I just think it's nuts for people of and there's a lot of it in this sort of new generation I think it's 
they think they're being good for themselves and self-care and everything and I think it's more damaging to try and control the world I think it can I think it can psychologically affect you negatively if you assume that you are safe when you're not uh, which is why I don't ever want to advertise anything as safe space right? yeah Cause yeah yeah you never know sense. right yeah that makes sense yeah but for there are certain places that like the social like I've made my social media feed so that I don't see anything that makes me sad yeah which great. is just makes yeah. it this is like a nice place to be so when yeah. someone suddenly posts something that's fat phobic or transphobic or something like that I suddenly get like oh this was really uncomfortable not that I'm not triggered because you know a trigger is a is a PTSD thing right it's mm-hmm. get a, an actual flashback to your that's trauma. what I mean that's what yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah. like all these words have been ke- you know and yeah it's- people use trigger too much yeah. but I have felt that thing of oh no wait this I wanted this to be a nice space and now I'm really disappointed to have seen this mm-hmm. so so there's certain groups on Facebook that I'm a member of where they do content warnings so if they post a picture for example they won't just post it uh, they'll post it like in the comments so you don't see it which when it's something that is like fat phobic or transphobic, I really appreciate that. Yeah. But I think I also, when I do go online, I know that the risk is there. Yeah. You know, I'm not completely open and vulnerable because I know that, you know, everyone makes mistakes and someone could always, (laughs) someone could always let you down. So there could come like a photo of something you don't want to see. And I think that there's, there's got to be some kind of balance in between that people shouldn't, be so vulnerable online or in places or at gigs Mm. that, and that's also up to me to not give them that illusion, but people should both pull back a little and expect some uncomfortableness because if you don't, then you are so vulnerable, then you will get hurt more. So for your own self-protection, but then there's also this thing of, there are some things like, I, I know that there were a lot of people using trigger warnings, like a lot of white people using trigger warnings to avoid Black Lives Matter content because they yeah. felt it was uncomfortable and that's not okay. Yeah. So there, but it's a huge thing. And usually when I do talk about trigger warnings, people, it's a very, very um, um, sensitive topic. And I should, you know, that didn't have a trigger warning for my last show and stuff, but I, I do, I, there are problems with it and it's complicated and it's, well, ironically triggering to a lot of people to even discuss the topic in itself um I was trying to get a quote then I I had a quote on my phone I was only looking at my phone to try and get a quote but I I think I've deleted it but it's an Eckhart Tolle one about I never know his name about how um growth comes from uh discomfort but he puts it in a more poetic way but so I just worry about the younger generation who are hell-bent on trying to get everyone else to change apart from them like you know pointing the finger like they're wrong they're wrong they're wrong they're wrong and I'll only go in the room if it's like you know exactly what I want to hear that's why when it's extreme like that not 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 building a safe space or nothing that you're doing but more the younger generation sort of so pointing out what everyone else needs to do and I want for them the strength to live in a world where they can handle stuff um and be work on themselves enough that it doesn't matter what other people are doing because that's the greatest gift of all that's peace that's freedom not to have fear not to walk into a room and be like oh is someone going to mention you know oranges or whatever it is I think we should all be sensitive and kind I don't think anyone should be fat phobic or transphobic or any of those things of course all be loving and kind for sure that should be the basic 
you know, baseline. But then I want people to feel freer because when you're trying to control things, that's when I think mental illness comes in. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of like an internal and external thing. Well, I do think internally and like you're in your emotional state and in your like the way you deal with your own mental health, then yes, the yeah. best thing is to heal yourself and yeah, those things. But I think when, especially the younger generation telling people not to do things, I think it's because they want to feel free and because for so many people walking into a room is unsafe. So it's not irrational fear. It's actual yeah. unsafe, you know, cause they will get attacked verbally or, physically yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is so yeah. I think that them telling people to to do certain things or to stop doing certain things is because they want to reach the point of not having to be scared yeah walking yeah, yeah. into yeah. a room um so it's a bit of a tricky one that's tr- yeah I think yeah I agree that yeah obviously there should be no yeah I was just want to live in a world where there's no impingement on freedom at all and no judgment yeah, be lovely be nice. <laughs> and I do I love a lot of like a lot of things that have come in with the next generation, like um, less lines on sexuality, like more freedom, like that is only going to add beauty to the world. If we could, I'd wish we were all like bisexual, basically. But, <laughs> some, um, some would argue that they think that we are. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, yeah. I need to get on board more with that. That, you know, <laughs> there's so much good stuff coming from it. I, as we said, I think in this podcast or the other one we were on, like, it gets better through the line. So every generation I think is better um, than the last, but I just think there's obviously nothing's perfect. And yeah, there's elements of, um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to ask you the last question that I always ask on this podcast. Yes. So you're in the delivery room and you have just been born. Okay. So little Lusandas has just been born and she is crying and you are you now, but you're holding yourself as a baby. It's yeah. a teeny tiny Lou. And she's crying because she was just in the womb where it was all dark and lovely. And now there's lights and sounds. And she's like looking at you like, what the fuck is this? Is this life? Just like people and sound. This is horrible. She's crying and she's looking at you like, what is going to happen? Mm. What is this? And it's not a, you can't give yourself advice because she won't remember this. So you can't say that she should do anything differently or do anything the same. She's asking you, what is this? What is going to happen to me? And you can say whatever you want to her uh, for that moment. And she will forget it. But that moment she's crying and she's scared about life. And you can say something to her about the life that she's going to lead. What will you say to teeny tiny baby Lou? Why are you yellow? (laughs) I was yellow when I came out. I would say experience it all. Just experience it all good bad ups down be in it live it love it live it love it laugh it whatever that saying is I'm being and sad. what if she's like i'm gonna forget all of that yeah what's what do gonna you mean, happen then? what's i'd be like what is life what's going what to is life to, you know everything that's going to happen to this baby i'd be like you'll be all right you'll be all right you run you've been on qi twice don't worry about it come on <laughs> she won't know that's the least spiritual thing you can say to a baby <laughs> Oh, I'll be like, put some clothes on. You're disgusting. <laughs> Why are no. you yellow? No, yeah, I was just jaundice. Oh, but it all turned out okay. Um, I'd say like just experience it. Is that what you mean? No. Ah, what do you can't I, get I'm, advice? 
I was. So what do you mean? Well, what am I saying then if I can't give advice? Like, what do I? What do you mean? The baby's looking at you, saying, mm. "So you're me in how old are you? Don't worry about that, babe. <laughs> in let's be twenty eight years, and um, so you know everything that's going to happen to me. Yeah, and I don't know anything yet because I'm just a baby. Yeah. So what's going to happen? What will life be like? What do I have to look forward to? What do I have to? Oh, well, you know. How's it going to be? What's going to happen? Well, like anyone, ups and downs, you know, ups and downs and all arounds. And if you really want to know what's going to happen to you, go to one of the good psychics, <laughs> Catherine in Hampstead. Get around her house. That's what I say to her. <laughs> Amazing. I haven't got time. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to plug your stuff, but and then I'm going to ask you extra six, six questions for the patrons. Okay. Um, but first, where can people find it? I just did your podcast, Cuddle Cuddle Club. Yes. It's a lot of fun, and I'm listening to some episodes from it as well, and it's super lovely. And you love the Desiree now. Birch one. You've got condom now as well. Oh yeah, I got a, a Cuddle Club condom, which will. I hope there's an expiration date on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what what else do you have? What tell me where people can find your stuff. So Cuddle Club, yeah, that's my podcast. Um, then I'm just on Twitter and Instagram and I'm doing uh, exclusive content for my patrons, uh, patreon.com forward slash Lee Sanders. So there'll be all sorts going on there in the next couple of weeks. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Can you see what I mean about the, um, the final conversation there? I think... I feel like at this point, you're, if if you know me and my work, you you know my stance on this, right? You you know where I disagree with Lou and and again the whole safe space thing and the whole trigger warning thing is. I remember hearing about it two or three years ago. I heard someone say that the very idea of trigger warnings was problematic, and I think I talked about it in one of these intros outros before and um and I, I wasn't sure I just said that I'd heard about it and I, I didn't really know how to feel what to, to all those things but um and I still haven't quite figured out I said what I thought I knew on this in the chat with Lou but again I don't know what the right answer is. I just know that it wasn't hers. <laughs> I just know that she was wrong, but I'm not sure what the alternative is. Anyways, I have rambled so much. So I want to say, oh, a thing I forgot to mention. Whoopsie. A thing I've uh, forgotten to mention quite a few times on this is if you sign up for the Patreon and you give more than $5 per episode, you do get your name read out at the end. However, I also forgot to mention just like in general, if you sign up as a patron, you get my two stand-up shows for free, Shimmer Shatter and Dead Baby Frog. Uh, once you've signed up, I think you just get the codes and you can go and download them for free. Uh, you also get uh, extra bits. So with um, each guest, well, most of the guests, some, sometimes it hasn't been possible. With most of the guests, I do like an extra little six, six seven, eight questions that I put up on, on Patreon for people to listen to, where I ask people things like, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? And do you have a life hack? And what's an unpopular opinion of yours? Uh, P.S. Lou Sanders' unpopular opinion, I also very much disagreed with. And I think I disagreed with it so much that I didn't even comment. <laughs> I just went, okay, now question six, because I couldn't, I couldn't. Anyways, <laughs> so that's 
maybe worth um, signing up for. And uh, yeah, but I've already feel like I've already talked so much. Oh, and now I'm I'm doing a I'm filming my this whole thing. I'm doing like a behind the scenes at the moment of me uh, figuring out how to do the intro and outro, uh, finding the name, setting up the microphone. And uh, I'm just going to put that out on Patreon, basically like now, like as soon as this whole thing has been recorded. So before the episode is out, uh, I'm putting this uh, up on Patreon. And I don't know if you, it's something you'd want to see. I mean, it's it's just admin, isn't it? But I will. I constantly think about things that I could possibly give you. And um, in an ideal world, I want like merch and stuff and badges and things that I can send out to you. Uh, or even just like choose a winner, maybe like a month, one person a month gets something. But I'm going to figure that out so I don't promise you anything before it's there. Anyways, cannot believe how much I'm rambling. It's the it's the lockdown. I'm not speaking to people. You're it. You're my, you're my only friends. Okay. Speaking of friends and good friends, uh, these are the people who are just making my life... Not not horrible. <laughs> it's just absolutely saving my brain and my life. And thank I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to the following people who are pat- patrons on Patreon uh, and who gives me five dollars or more per episode. A massive thank you to <clears throat> Kathy Draxelbauer, Beth Payton, Isabel Johnston. Bethany Dahlstrom, Claire Fletcher, Simon James, Phil Scordis, Dan Rushton, Zoe Stevenson, Lindsay Boschniak, Georgia, Jen Boyle, Rowan Pierce, Bamboo Bandit, Christine with a Y, Catherine Norton, Galway Cass, Sophia Ramsey, Aretha, Emma Parangi, Helen Jerina, Dieter by Jensen, Helen Jermak, Hihi, Anna Marie Hepburn, Katrina Pedersen, Holly Ritchie, Hannah Powell Smith, Danielle Johnson, Felicitations, E. Kirsten E., Nicola Ellison, Samantha Jolie, Victoria Layton, Laura Ingman, Rachel Ray England, Catherine Williams, Emily Bindi, Liz Cassell, Gillian Davidson, Rianne Rivers, Chrissy Nicholson, Grace Ann, Maeve Houlihan, uh, Victoria Greer, M. Dash, Andrew January, Cherry Winsett, Kathleen Gulmanson, Hannah Rose Tristram, Megan Roberts, Caitlin Autumn Blue Sky, Vanilla Dunn, Privacy Osaurus, Aurora Teratops, Barry Norton, Andrea Papillon, Anya Knoblauk, Pierre Fene, 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 sorry, Loda Phoenix, Rachel Phillips, Lillian Harry French, hunkered in the bunker, Paul Swaddle, Kat Posse, Sarah Allett, Ragdoll, Perpetual Motion, Harry Minot, Susie Tyler, Kirsten Davidson, Maury Fraser, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappa, Sarah Plumer, Robert Knowles, Joe C., Jenny Kratz, Danny Beckett, Harry Van Dyke, L., uh, Daniel Rifersheet, Rachel Furley, and Andy Walker. Oh, I don't know why they're not in alphabetical order anymore. It is very confusing, but because uh, now I can't do the uh, the competition of um, which name which name is being set. Uh, <laughs> ugh, you know what I mean. I'm 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 done now. <laughs> I'm done. I've I've said too many things. So. Thank you so much for for listening and thank you for thank you for being thank you for being a listenership of people that I feel comfortable releasing this episode to because I know that I know that you have nuance and I know that you have an understanding of the complexities behind a conversation like this and sort of the entire situation and 
that you understand what I'm saying, even when I don't know how to say it. Um, I would have felt less secure in releasing an episode like this a year ago. And now I feel like, I feel like we get each other. Ugh, I'm going to be too wanky now. But anyways, thank you for being great. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Uh, thank you to Lou Sanders for being an amazing guest. Thank you to Dave Pickering for editing this episode. To Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle. And to Justine McNichol for the logo. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. That's me. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Oh.